Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional grade industrial supplies. Count on real time product availability and fast delivery. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. See ebaymotors.com. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Believe in Everything Auburn is brought to you by Bet Bet BetOnline is the fastest and easiest way to wager on all your favorite sports, contests, and events with first-to-market odds and lines. Find reviews and news for every league, including MLB, NFL, NBA, NHL, combat sports, esports, and golf. BetOnline continues to be the top online resource for all your sports information from live in-game betting, props, and futures. Head to BetOnline today or use your mobile device and join and make your first sports bet, and they're going to give you a welcome bonus on your first deposit if you use our promo code, and that is Believe50, B-L-E-A-V-5-0, for a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. BetOnline, where the game starts. War Eagle, everybody. Welcome back to Believe in Everything Auburn. I'm your host, Taylor Davis, joined, as always, by Jason Campbell. What's up, everybody? Week one officially in the books, and the Tigers walked away with a win, albeit a bit of a lightning delay and a lot of rain in Jordan hair, but a win nonetheless, and that's always a great way to start the season. So hope you enjoyed the chaos that was week one of college football luckily for the tigers none of that chaos included us but across the league some ridiculous games unbelievable endings college football really coming back with a bang you love to see it but jay and i are going to break down everything that happened on the plains this past weekend we'll preview week two matchup with san jose state and talk about a few other notables around the ever-evolving world of college football. But Jay, you got back into the swing of things, back on the radio broadcast, calling a game, and we got to see the Tigers in live action, which you and I have talked about the difference between suiting up to play against your teammates and suiting up in a game atmosphere. This is when you really see what a team is all about and also what they still need to fix. So you and I are going to get into the nitty-gritty, but just overall first impressions of this team now that we finally got to see them in real competition. Yes, I'll say this. Hello, everybody. Uh, this is your boy, J. Cam, 17. 
you know, watching the game was fun. I, I will say this because, you know, leading up to the game, everyone was expecting rain and, mm-hmm. you know, the weather held off for us for the most part of the game until late into the third quarter. But overall, I like what I saw from the standpoint of kids, like the movement of the offense as far as like not just being settled on just, you know, hey, we're just going to ride with TJ. They actually threw Robbie Ashford out there and let mm-hmm. him change the dynamic of the offense a little bit. And they played both of those guys, which I'm fine with because it can get a def- defense a different look. Uh, would it ever get to some point where they have to just say, hey, we got to decide on the guy? Only time will tell that. And uh, that decision will come, you know, on down the road once I feel like if it needs if it needs to go that way. So from a standpoint of just watching this defense, like they did what we expected them to do. We expected our defense to dominate the game. And, you know, they pretty much did that from start to finish. Uh, one guy I like that, that stood after me was Zion Puckett. Yep. Uh, he you know, I think this guy's going to have a tremendous year just because he's very they can move him in different places. He was. 36 snaps, you know, at the free safety position. He also played the slot corner position. He also played 14 snaps down in the box. So, you know, with with all those different snaps and having him in different places, that means he's very versatile to Mm -hmm. that defense. And, and when you think about, you know, receiving core, you know, nine guys got in the game at the receiver position, but only three had catches. So that's a, that's an area that we want to see get better and continue to grow. We want to see them get more opportunities and, like I said, watching Robbie, they had a lot of design runs for him, which now I would like to see a lot of design passes for him yeah. uh, just to see, get him operating, getting him some experience. You know, TJ had a couple of passes. He had you no know, two interceptions that he got caught with his eyes. You know, you stare guys down in this at this level, you know, the backside safety will follow your eyes and get those interceptions. So those are things that he has continued to work on is cut down the turnovers, but also understand who's watching your eyes when you're back there as a quarterback. You can't stare guys down at this level. So those are things that I think we can continue to improve on and get better on. I thought the offensive line did a great job for the most part. Uh, Tate Johnson mm-hmm. being his first time as the center, as a starter since Nick Brahms, you know, as, as retired from football, basically, yep. you know, him stepping in, that was a great experience for him. And I thought he did a really good job. We didn't have many false stars. We didn't have many penalties on offense and use those first games. You have substitution penalties, you have false stars, you have turnovers, you have different things because of the first game. But I thought from the most part, outside of the two turnovers, they did a really good job up front of not having those false stars and, and allowing the quarterbacks to get hit a lot. Right. I would agree with you. I think that you can't understate what the offensive line went through in losing a guy like Brahms in such a short amount of time. Like he doesn't just make up one piece. We talk all the time about the offensive line being a cohesive unit and Nick Brahms was the leader of that unit. And so losing a a vocal piece and obviously a physical presence like that is no small task. And I I think that they should be commended for how they stepped up in his absence. We're going to talk about the quarterbacks because I think this week, you may would hope that it would silence some of the quarterback debate. I think it leveled it up a notch because (laughs) people are calling for Robbie and I'm not at all surprised that that's how it went, but we're going to get into that. But first I want to talk about the run game tank and Jarquez combined for five rushing touchdowns and 181 yards tank looking 
patient. He looked like he had a good view of the field. He looked like his anticipation was really there. And I was watching him pregame because I was there just as a spectator. And I was standing on the sideline watching him pregame. And they had just come out of the tunnel. And obviously there's, you know, a lot of guys hyped up and, and you know, waving the arms to the student section. It's their first time back out there. You know, we're all excited. Tank was laser focused. He was just head straight forward. He was every rep, every drill with intention. And I thought back to what Cadillac told us on the episode a couple weeks ago that Tank had a different look in his eyes this offseason. And I think it comes with maturation. I even think it comes with something challenging like the offseason was lest we not forget there was a very real consideration and probably very difficult conversations that he had with people at Auburn about departing and he made the decision to stay and I think that it 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 shows that there's maturity there and there is development in terms of his understanding of the game and understanding of his role on this team. I thought that he really looked sharp. He looked mature. He looked composed, but he still had electricity out there. And this guy should be a weapon. If he's healthy, he will be a weapon through the longevity of season. And Jarquez is a fantastic addition as well. I think the two of them together could be unstoppable, especially if the line continues to gel. Oh, yes, most definitely. Like Tank is a, is a guy that he knows this has to be a big year for him. Yep. Um, we know he has individual goals that he's looking at, but at the same time right now it's all about the team. And the team needs him to have a great season in order for them to have an opportunity at the end of the year to compete for the SEC West Championship first and then to try to position themselves in the in the champion, SEC Championship game. So he understands that with the quarterback situation – going on the way that it is, mm-hmm. it's going to be relied heavily on the run game for those yeah. guys to carry the load, him and him and Jacquez. And they know that they have to keep their bodies in shape. Mentally, they have to be in tune with what's going on because it gets tougher as the schedule continues. You know, we're not going to see many Mercer and, and you know, this week we have San Jose State, which mm-hmm. probably would be a little bit better because, you know, they played in a conference, like I said, with Coach Harson before. So, you know, expect them to, this game to be a little bit tougher. But I always say it's all just gearing up for the big ones. You know, these yeah. are the ones that you need, like preseason in the NFL. You play someone preseason to build for the for the the gauntlet of the schedule. Right now, we're playing Mercer. We're playing San Jose State to get ready for the gauntlet of the schedule that we had. Because you want, if I'm tanking, I'm Jacquez, I want Robbie Ashford to do really good. I yeah. want TJ to do better, you know, because the simple fact is, until you decide who's your quarterback is going to be, is it going to be one call, one signal caller, or are they going to you know roll these two guys for as long as they feel like they need to? Then the court, the running backs are like whatever we do that can make the defense have to have to respect everyone else around us, so they're not stacking eight people in the box to give us an opportunity to, to run the ball. Then we need we understand that we got to get hungry early in the year because once we get these big dogs they're going to do that until either tj or robbie can prove that they can get that eighth man out of the box right that's why we need our receivers to get more opportunities for more touches that's why this has been a crucial week putting more emphasis on the passing game getting these guys some touches you want to see car Moore get some opportunities want to see camden brown get some opportunities you know javaris johnson had a really good game the other night uh, you know, Shedder Jackson had some catches and everything. We know Shanker had the touchdown, 
the first one of the season. Uh, but at the same time, we need those other guys. So these are the games, Taylor, that we need to put the ball in the air. And Tank and Jacoy is going to get their yards. But at the same time, we need to find a way to get these other guys involved because we're going to need them more yeah. down the road. I totally agree. And you've got to have that versatility, that that dimension when you get into some of those, you know, tougher matchups. But it was great to see them looking as pristine as you would hope they would. Um, but yeah, you mentioned wide receivers, and obviously that's been a, a talking point heading into season. Actually, wide receiver Javarius Johnson, he's actually jumped Tavares Dawson on this week's depth chart heading into San Jose State, starting at slot receiver after his performance this past week. He had four passes for 117 yards on just four targets. Uh, he was the receiver in two of the longest pass plays, obviously one from Finley and that beautiful dime from Robbie Ashford. Um, and so he really kind of showed his own. I think that as much as a coaching staff wants and hopes to have all their decisions made by season so that you don't do any sort of position carousel or have a lack of identity into the second half of season, it's inevitable that you are going to continue to make decisions once you see them in game environments. So these guys need to treat it that way. These guys need to view this as an opportunity to, I don't want to say it's a tryout, but in a way, like you have to show your best stuff in a game atmosphere. You have to show your best stuff when it counts. And I look at guys like Javarius Johnson and I think that they did just that. And I would argue that Robbie did as well. I know he had limited, you know, opportunities and and certainly not the the contested experience that will come from other defensive fronts and coverages, but in the opportunity that you're given, you better shine if you want it bad enough. And and I think that those are two guys that did. So let's go ahead and talk about it, Jay. I think that all of our listeners are are probably wanting to anyway. The quarterback situation, TJ Finley obviously got the start, right, wrong, or indifferent. That's what the coaching staff felt good about. Most of it coming from familiarity with the system and the team as well as experience in big game time environments. They were not seeing consistency from Calzada holding Gariner, who, by the way, I was also watching warm up on the sideline. Kid is, has a good stature for a true freshman. I was very impressed when just seeing him out there warming up. I think that he will be someone to keep an eye on down the road, not this year, but just a little tidbit. And then Robbie, obviously not having the collegiate experience, but Finley took the reins for this one. Obviously, what everyone is going to remember are his two interceptions. He finished 9 of 14 with one touchdown and two interceptions and made way for Robbie. Now, Robbie came in on the second series, if I'm not mistaken. He came in early, so clearly it was a plan for this coaching staff, as we suspected, that there were going to be packages. They were going to get Robbie in there, most likely to run a 49-yard run on the second drive. Um, but you didn't really see him pass that much. And I, I had even said to the people around me, like, I, I want to see him air it out. Let's see what he can do. And he hit Javaris Johnson, a 56-yard pass right on the money. I think that this kid showed flashes of what he can be. And I think what he can be is our starting quarterback. I really do. Whether or not they fully give the reins to him anytime soon, I'm not sure. And that will be a very tough decision because what people don't understand, Jay, and and you can talk to this, you cannot make that decision 
unless you are a hundred percent sure, because the worst thing you can do to TJ Finley, worse than pulling him and saying you are no longer the starter, Robbie is. What's worse than that is if you do make Robbie your starter and then that doesn't go well and you say, oh, TJ, actually now you are the starter again. You can't do the back and forth with these guys. So if you're going to take it slow, I totally understand that approach. But what Robbie showed is his potential and he may be closer to reaching it than we thought. Well, yeah, that's the thing I think the coaching staff is uh, is taking a really slow look at is the pro- the fact that that's why they play both of those guys in those games. And they want to see Robbie get out there in game time action with the ones and get some real live experience. And I think they kind of know what TJ can do a little bit. But they had, a you know, three games last year that he started in and then they had off off season where they can see him improving. But at the same time, I think this was a closer quarterback matchup than a lot of people thought. And I think the coaches, they had to name a starter going into the game because somebody had to take the first snap. But it goes to really show you that they wanted to see who can really run this offense when with 11 on 11 in a live atmosphere where you can get hit, where you got to make plays, you got to create plays. You, you know, and I think they got a chance to see that on Saturday. But I'm like you, I don't think they want to go ahead and just throw that whole decision and just say, hey, guys, we played Mercer. Let's keep it 100 here. Now, you know, saying it's great that Robbie did great. He continued to improve. You know, TJ, like I said, he had some tough interceptions that he threw and everything. But at the same time, we got to really see, like, where this is going to head to by week three, week four. And if you, like you said, if you pull TJ now, then he was already on a short leash and didn't even know it. You know, now I think you get a chance to see how does a kid respond? You know, how does he respond to having a tough week in week one and how does Robbie respond to having a great week in week one is this something is this something that Robbie can continue to to grow from from what he did the other night on Saturday you know a lot of it was design runs and you got a chance to see how super athletic this kid is and and we know that he can do things with his feet now I think Robbie just like everybody else want to see he wants to prove it to everybody that he can throw the ball as well and I think the fans want to see that and I just think until the coaches may feel comfortable about, you know, him as a passer, that's when they may say, hey, here's the full reins. But until then, I think they understand that he's still on a learning progress as far as a, as a passer. Mm-hmm. And he needs more opportunities in game time as a passer because, let's just be honest, you get against some teams, like I said before, they're going to put eight in the box and they're going to say, hey, he comes in the game, we're going to put a spy on him. You yeah. know, defense is going to adapt to him. Now can you beat us throwing the ball? How much of the passing game does Robbie know? We don't mm-hmm. know yet. You know, so that that's only the coaches can answer. But TJ supposed to know a lot of the passing game. We know he threw two picks, but, hey, that's, that's business. Keep moving. Yeah. So how does he respond this week after that tough week last week will say a lot about where the quarterback position will be going moving forward. So I just think it's a good problem to have, to be honest sure. with you. Because last year, like you said, you need two quarterbacks to play in this in the SEC, and yeah. you got to know how to handle quarterbacks as a coach. And Coach Harson, being a former quarterback, he understands that mm-hmm. this is a position that you got to handle with care because you can't allow one or the other to lose confidence because you may have to depend on both by the time the season's in. And even the third guy, Calzada, I don't know where his confidence is right now, but right. he's got to find a way maybe to get in some games if they get ahead away just to get some experience. But other than that, you do need two guys that can really, really carry your team. 
And I think that we we do. I understand that there's there's hesitation and there's still a lot to learn. But I think if you look across the landscape of football right now, like there is such a very fine line between the good quarterbacks and the great quarterbacks. It, it really so much of it is those intangibles. It's the mentality. It's how do you rally your team? It, it, so much of that. And you're not going to know that in week one. The coaches aren't going to know that in week one. So if they continue to feel this thing out, if they continue to l- utilize differences in skill sets, which it is clear as day that TJ Finley and Robbie Ashford have very different skill sets, which is advantageous when going up against some of the stack defenses we're going to face down the road let them figure it out in due time I think that we're certainly going to get into a stretch where you don't want to do a back and forth you want to have a clear identity but right now the way the schedule is set up they do have the luxury to kind of figure it out on a slower pace so I'm not surprised I I was impressed by Robbie I think that that he's got a lot of talent and and he's got a lot of um, maturity out there. He didn't look like someone who had not played on a stage like that. You know, I think that that's obviously a, a big talking piece with him is is experience. But he it it was surprising. He didn't look like someone without it. But I expect that this week will be similar. They've already said that the depth chart does not change in that regard. TJ is the starter, but I think we'll see Robbie a good bit. And I'm with you. I hope that a, an emphasis is put on the passing game because I think that's what we're going to need down the stretch knowing that we've got a very solid running tandem and Damari Alston still somebody that is expected to make a mark as well. Um, let's talk defense real quick, holding Mercer to 16 points. I don't even think I said the, the final score, 42 to 16, really buried the lead there. Sorry. Um, but the defense holding Mercer to 16 points. Now I understand some people not happy to see Mercer put up 16 points, but they put up 60 something the week before. So they had certainly found some rhythm on offense. They weren't able to garner it in Jordan hair, but they were able to put some drives together and ended up with 16 but they were averaging four yards per play. So I think this defense certainly came together. Are there, you know, things to fix? Are there improvements to make? Absolutely. But I think as expected, the strength of this team in years past has been running backs and defense. And I think that you see that this year. I think that there's going to be improvements across the board. I still think that some guys um, haven't tapped into the next level that we are going to see them in by the end of the year. But I think it's a great start. Cam Riley led the team with 15 tackles and a quarterback hurry, and Nehemiah Pritchett with three tackles and two pass breakups. So defensively, they were energetic. They were flying to the ball. I think that they'll have to tighten up when we get into conference play. But for the first out, I think you saw what you expected, a an energetic, lights out, smart, methodical defense. Yeah, like I said, we got away with some things defensively, and we yep. know that. Like that's yep. game one. And that's just that's why you play the game and get experience and get guys in there. And because we have a we do have for the most part a new looking secondary. Mm-hmm. You know, yes, Jalen Simpson has some had some time last year. Nehemiah Pricker had some time last year. Zion Pucker had a little time last year, but for the most part, you know, Bridges is a it's a freshman from uh, out of McGee, redshirt freshman out of McGee High School in Mississippi. So, you know, he's a guy that's now out there getting more reps and and everything. So, this is going to take a little time, but yeah, there were like you know, like Coach Harson said after Saturday's the game, he said, you know, there were some guys running open, and you know, 
we have to make sure that we're covering those guys because, like you said, once we get into league play, you can't allow that to happen. And there was a couple of times where they dropped some balls that the quarterback kind of put on the money for Mercer. And, you know, you get away with it in games like this. But I tell you right now, Zach Etheridge is in that room, and he's on some guys yeah. because he know that that type of stuff, when he gets to these bigger games, can can be a problem. And especially in the past happy league now that the SEC has become, mm-hmm. you have to be ready and, and stay, stay on your keys and stay on and, and, and know the guy that you got in front of you and with some respect as well. And I just think that uh, that's a good problem to have. Like I said, we got a chance to see a little bit of Keontae Scott at the at the punt punt kickoff punt kickoff return. And uh, he goes to show you how athletic he is. And he's the number one JUCO guy that we signed, defensive back that we signed and everything. So he's a guy that we will probably start to see a little more of as the season go on because he's too talented. And I think more as more as he gets more comfortable with the defense and understanding, he will have an opportunity to get out there and show you some of his athletic ability on getting some of those interceptions because he is a guy that can attack the football. So this is a, you know, it's just a, a great thing. Like I said, Cam Riley, <laughs> Jason um, Caldwell said it a couple of weeks ago. He said, yep. this guy reminds you of Carlos Dansby. Mm-hmm. And like I said, he is long. He's tall. He sits four. He's about 235. Uh, same size as Carlos Dansby was. He had 15 tackles. And like I said, so he's a guy to keep your eye on for this whole season because he is a guy that can really change the dynamic of this defense. And he's only going to get better, people. So, you know, shout out to Cam Riley uh, on the game that he had. So overall, like I said, defensive front, uh, we got a lot of new guys up there. You got Jason mm-hmm. Jones up there, who's a guy who's a player that, you know, transferred from Oregon. And uh, we understand that, you know, he's a guy, he's a big guy, he's long. And, you know, he can make some things happen. So there's a lot of new guys on this front outside of Derrick Hall and uh, Kobe Wooten, you know, that can play as well. So we just got to continue to give these guys some time to understand Marcus Harris, is a big time mm-hmm. player out of Montgomery, Alabama. Like this kid, he played a lot of snaps the other night, and I thought he had a really big impact on the game. And like I said, Leota is going to be a player for us as well. Yeah, yeah. So this defense is going to be in sync, people. So don't don't make no bones about it. Yeah, absolutely. There's a lot of big names. Like I I think that when you look at this, a lot of names jump out at you, whether it's because of, you know, known talent, whether it's experience, like it feels like there's a lot of established veterans when you look on the defensive side. And that gives you a lot of confidence in terms of depth, in terms of leadership. Like I think this defense is set up to be a really special unit, but they'll get another opportunity to really show out and also fine tune some things in this matchup. We are hosting San Jose State, who is coming off a 21 to 17 win over Portland State this one uh, a little bit closer than they probably were expecting but their defense with three takeaways in that game couple notables they also have some transfers that have certainly made an impact for them on the offensive side they have former Hawaii dual threat quarterback Siobhan Cordero I am not sure if I said that right, but I I really said it with conviction. I should just stick with it. Um, And they have a solid defensive front. Defensive end Cade Hall 
was the Mountain West Defensive Player of the Year in 2020. He missed last season because of injury, and he is back. So this is a a guy who really probably feels like he has a lot to prove and is is itching to get back out there. So you want to watch out for him on the defensive side. And then they have a pair of transfer wide receivers who came in from Nevada, Elijah Cooks and Justin Lockhart, definitely key targets for their dual threat quarterback. And like I said, dual threat, that means he can certainly make something happen with his legs. So they've got some caliber guys. And beyond that, they have a lot of familiarity with Harson, having played him numerous times. These coaches know each other very well. So you have to assume they're going to come in with a, a solid game plan. They're probably going to come in with an offensive script at the top that is going to look like something that, you know, makes you worry a little bit. But I, I think it'll come down to difference of, of athleticism, difference in size, difference in probably endurance, and you add in another home field advantage. So I feel comfortable about this matchup, but like you said, I think it'll be a step up from Mercer, which is what you want to see. You want to see things progress. You want to see a a level up in competition before Penn State comes the week after. And a key piece of this, a tale as old as time, Jason, is that this team doesn't do what I just did and look ahead to Penn State because (laughs) that's where something can happen. Lest we not forget, we narrowly escaped Georgia State last year, okay? It can happen in the craziness of college football. If you are looking toward your opponent the next week who is deemed a better team than who's right in front of you, everyone is capable of a slip. And that will be the emphasis, I'm sure, of this coaching staff this week. Yeah, it's a great point, Taylor. That's why you're an analyst and uh, you do a very good job because, <laughs> Thank you, Jay. you know, looking ahead, it's always in your mindset when you're talking about 18 to 22-year-olds. You yeah. know, everyone's talking about the Penn State game. Uh, you know, we still wish it was a night game, but that's another, oh, yeah. another talk. Neither here nor day. there. <laughs> right, but you don't want to get caught looking ahead because I like the mentality that Harson say, take it one game at a time because that's what you need to do, especially you don't want to get caught and all of a sudden you end up in a dog fight against a San Jose State team that you feel like you should beat by two or three touchdowns. So, you know, approach this game just like you would any other game. And you go out there, you find things that you need to fine-tune on, you find things you need to get better at, because the whole point about a season is you're supposed to be better from game to game. Mm -hmm. And if you're getting better from game to game, then you're on the right track. And that's the whole goal of this thing. And like I said, San Jose team, they're a team that just barely pulled one out against Portland State. And I'm pretty sure that coach has been hard on them this week. Like, we got to be better. We have to. And you can't, if you go down to Auburn this week and you play the way you did against Portland State, you're going to get embarrassed and get 60 or 70 hung up on you. And, you know, coaches get into that emotion talk with kids to try to rally them up. They try to find something to put on the bulletin board material. And Auburn doesn't need to give them anything bulletin board. They just need to just show up and dominate. And just have that same mentality as you approach week one. You go out here and handle business and yeah. enjoy it. Have fun. And like I said, the crowd noise was in it. The student session is awesome. You know, what a better place to play college football at. Uh, you know, it was exciting. So I look forward to this game this weekend because I just really want to see what we do differently offensively and what we yeah. do defensively as far as blitzes. Like we didn't really blitz a mm-hmm. whole lot, which I don't blame them, but yeah. You know, you're going to have to do some of that in this game, I think, just to start getting guys' experiences at it before you go into some of these other games. Yeah, I totally agree. I don't think that either of these first two warranted a real glitzy 
team or glitzy game plan, I think those those kinds of tricks will be pulled out later on. I think that the more intense in your face approach, it did seem very methodical this past week. And I kind of expect that for this one, maybe ramp it up a little bit, but I, I think it'll be a gradual climb. And I, I don't really blame the coaching staff for that approach either. Let's go ahead and talk about a couple things across the landscape of college football. Obviously, probably the biggest news that we've had in quite some time. Of course, there's been conference realignment, NIL. It's actually been a wild few years, but we're going to add to it because the playoff is expanding, y'all. Again, whether you agree with it or not, this has certainly been a point of debate and conversation really since like year one of the playoff, but it is official. The college football playoffs board of managers unanimously voted last week to expand the college football playoff to 12 teams beginning in 2026, but they are encouraging commissioners to try to have it implemented by 2024. We'll see when that happens, but regardless, it will definitely become 12 teams. This is something that has been visited before and was shot down, but I think given conference realignment and a lot of the TV deals that have been shifting as of late, this really was the only option moving forward for several, you know, commissioners and schools and what have you. It will include the six highest ranked conference champions and six at large teams. So that's how the structure will be. And I just want to get your thoughts on it because I think that this is obviously historic. I think that as the college football playoff, you know, was implemented years ago, we were all pleased to see, you know, the end of the BCS, but it doesn't mean it's a foolproof system. It doesn't mean it's going to be perfect out the jump. Now, some people were fighting for an eight team playoff. Now we're at 12. So there's, you're not going to make everyone happy. That's the reality of life. But I personally love to see the playoff expanded. I think that four was just way too challenging and we were having the same debates every single year. And it was really, it still had so much opinion base in it instead of letting the games decide themselves. This offers you the opportunity to do that. Do I think that the discrepancy between one and 12 is a bit too much? Yes, but I think that it's going to set up for some cool games and some cool matchups that we don't ordinarily see, i.e. this past week in some of those games, the Utah, Floridas and things like that, we're going to get some of those matchups and teams are finally going to feel like their destiny is in their own hands and not in the hands of a board. So that is officially happening. Give me your thoughts, Jay. Yeah, I saw this happening. They talking about what, 2026? I can yep. see this being implemented in 2024. Um, you, we know we live in a place that's very impatient. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> you know, people want to want to just get to it. Like, if it's going to happen, let's just go ahead and get to it. It's the same thing with the SEC, Oklahoma, Texas. I know it's supposed to be another two years, but who knows what happened this offseason. Mm-hmm. So my whole thing with the playoff thing is it's kind of like the NFL. Let's just be honest. It's, you know, the first two teams get the bye, I believe, or the first four. So someone gets a bye. And so it's not a lot. So it really going to make it very interesting for, for college football fans because now you, you get to tune in. I think it's better for college football because a lot of teams, if they lose one game, they have to say, like, oh, they're going season. You know, mm-hmm. like they still exactly. can continue to fight and say, like, hey, we still can get into the 12-team playoff. And if we can get to the 12-team playoff, then anything can happen. That's just like the NFL. You see wild card teams sometimes make it to the to the Super Bowl. So it, it, I think it's going to be really fun. 
I think it's going to make college football a little bit more intriguing. It's going to keep people more in tune. I think you'll see college teams not just stop playing once they lose a game. Now they continue to play hard for the rest of the season and it'll put a little bit more emphasis on some of these bowl games as well. Mm -hmm. But uh, for the most part, though, I think it was a big move to go ahead and up it. Yeah, like a lot of people say, like a lot of people want to eight, but I think 12 is like the right number. If you think about the number of college teams that we have, and you think about how many times that top 12 in the polls each week just alternates up and down. Like, it takes you a little bit of time to get to that last game of the season. And say if Auburn is at that time only have a one-loss team going to the Alabama game. Mm -hmm. If Alabama's ranked number one, and say you upset them, okay, of course you win. But say you didn't. You still and you it was a hard fought game. You lost close. A two loss Auburn team still gets into the top twelve. Right. You know, so it just creates more opportunities and more space for those teams to get in there and keep battling and uh, and everything. This it was this would have happened in twenty seventeen for us. Auburn would have been in the playoffs that year. Yeah. You know, because we had to play Georgia twice in three weeks. So you know, it's just examples like that where a season that they had it was a really good season. You and I had to play someone that you beat by 40 <laughs> three weeks earlier than they ended up beating you in the SC Championship game. But the team that you beat the last game of the season was sitting at home, didn't even play the game, and they went to the National Championship game. Yep. You know, went to the playoffs or whatever. So I just think it gives a little bit more fairness to other teams is what I'm saying. Right. I think that there is a strong argument that this expansion benefits Auburn as uh, like one of the top teams that benefits from this is Auburn because we play Georgia and Alabama every single year and both of them are peaking right now. So I think that for this to happen at this time when Alabama and Georgia are building the way they are and they are two constants on our schedule it really gives us the opportunity to still be in the mix. And I think there are other schools. I mean, I always go back to a few years ago when Texas A&M was sitting there at five and there really was a strong argument for them to be in the four. Well, now those kinds of debates where we sit there and go, yeah, but look at the competition level of the Pac-12. Sorry, look at the competition level of the ACC. I don't care that they're undefeated. They right. didn't freaking go against each other and beat everyone up the way the SEC does. And and some years, the Big 12 or whatever, Big 10, I, I'm not trying to discriminate here, but obviously <laughs> we are SEC biased around here. But anyway, um, I do think that this really opens it up for teams that are right there on that bubble. That bubble is a lot bigger now. And I think that that's really where the line is drawn between could these teams really end up with a national championship? I don't think the number 20th ranked team in the country by the end of season is capable of it. Do I think a number seven could pull it out? Yeah. Like there, crazy things could happen when we get to that point, because the way the rankings are is also it, it's involved in what per- perception of conferences is what, what is deemed to be the standard of college football is just decided year in and year out. Well, let's see them all play each other. Heck, I, I love it. I, I think it's going to be a lot more fun. But you're right. I do think that this really benefits Auburn. And if things continue to trend upward and we continue to garner talent and then develop them, we could see ourselves in this 12 as early as it's implemented. So really exciting. You can count me as a supporter of this decision. And I look forward to seeing it implemented. 
But man, what a week it was starting out for college football season. Our last thing that we're going to do here, I wanted to get Jay's thoughts on some of the chaos and uh, also yeah. just like the the realization that, you know, some of the strongest really are just that strong. It wasn't hype. <laughs> they really are that talented. But there were some crazy endings, some big results. So I wanted to get Jay's take. In your opinion, Jay, which team looked the strongest coming out of week one? Ooh, man, I would have to say that's just Georgia. Yeah, man. Um, just looking at how they dominated an Oregon team that was supposed to be the 11 ranked team in in the nation, uh, they just really just just destroyed them. Uh, when you think about it, a team that was reloading seven guys from the defense that went into the NFL last year, and it seemed like they didn't miss a beat. It seemed like they just got some young pups that became dogs. Gosh, and, man. Uh, you know, you think about their tight ends. They got three tight ends that can legitimately go in the first round. Yep. Like – their tight ends are huge mm -hmm. and they're athletic. And so he has some very good athletes over there. Uh, Coach Kirby does. And and I thought that they really came out for a team that's trying to defend their national championship, kind of came out. And and even Stetson Bennett. Stetson Bennett looked better than he, he has. He looked a lot class. better. Yeah. Uh, he looked comfortable. He was running around, making throws, making plays off schedule and, and everything. So he's playing with a lot more confidence and winning a national championship would do that for you. Yeah. Um, when you think about you know, Alabama against Utah State, uh, you know, they did what you expected them to do. You yeah. know, we still will know a lot more about Alabama this week versus Texas. Uh, I think that'll be a good game. Uh, I think Bama still wins it, but I think it'll definitely be an intriguing game. Okay. But I tell you what, man, Pittsburgh showed a lot of heart the other night. They did. Um, you know, losing Pickett to the first round to the Pittsburgh Steelers, you know, they still came out, man. They played – they showed a lot of heart in that game, and that was a hard-fall game in Florida. Florida wow. was a team that Billy Napier, all the stuff that the Florida fans was 50-50 on him, man, this guy came out, and his quarterback, Richardson, this kid is a playmaker. He's ridiculous. And, you know, like – he he made some plays, and this yeah. is going to be a, a cat to deal with. Any team that ever plays Saban or Kirby Smart, who they always struggle with, a dual-threat quarterback. Yep. And he's one of those guys that can get Georgia some fits in the SEC East. And, you know, Robbie can give, you know, some guys some fits in the SEC West. Mm -hmm. So, you know, it's becoming a league where you have to have those dual-threat quarterbacks. And, yep. and I think that's the aspect of the game. But overall, I thought those teams – my most disappointing team, I thought – That was, that was my Tyler next Ray. question was Clemson. Really? Uh, yeah, I thought Georgia Tech had had chances. Like, you know. Definitely punt, at the beginning. Uh, the punt block, you know, that's an easy seven for Clemson when they was reeling. And that kind they of gave, two. Them, gave them energy. Yeah, they had, yeah, two punt blocks. And I just feel yeah. like that was very, like, they didn't come out and look like the number 14. I know it's just game one. The quarterback didn't really look great to me. No. You know, I think uh, he has struggled against some really good teams. And that kid that was a true freshman, he looked a little better. Okay. Yeah. But um, I think that's – they may end up transitioning as the season go on. Uh, but overall, I just thought they struggled. LSU struggled to me. That was my struggling team. I was so disappointed. Yeah, I just think, like, LSU, like – I understand they had a lot of transfers that went out of there this year. But they're always loaded with yes. time. And to see some of the things that they was doing offensively, I was just like, what are they doing? And I know they had the big drive to go down and tie the game, but you get extra point block. You get a field goal block on leaving the inside guy. And I like 
You post a block down on the inside guy and let the furthest guy on the outside come free and mm-hmm. have to him to have to go around to try to block the kick. You do not give up the inside on field goal block. To me, that's discipline and that's coaching. Right. So people are going to be hard on Coach Kelly this week just because of that, because you lose a game that you probably should have won. It was a home game considered. Should have won. You lost off some some mistake stuff that just shouldn't happen at that at that level with the talent that they have. But those are two teams. Now you can talk about your your teams that you feel like stood out and yeah, it hurt to your disappointment. Yeah, I mean Georgia was my uh, just domination. Uh, I was I know that everyone really thinks Alabama is going to do it again this year, and and I was in that line as well. But seeing the way they just put a beating on Oregon, and I think that. What it goes to show is Kirby is able to do what Saban has been doing for years, and that is not only bringing the recruits in, bringing in the highly touted kids, but developing them while the current stars are on the field so that when they depart, your next wave is ready. Development is such a key piece of college football right now, and you either can do it or you can't. And I think that that's uh, you see the differences between those coaches, and I I'm not sure if I knew if Kirby could do it or not. You know, it just kind of felt like the pendulum was swinging toward Georgia and they they had struck gold and got a really good crop of guys who were going to go on and be NFL talent. But I think what you're seeing is the product of development because they, McConkey, that kid looked 10 years old. How was he so savvy? You know what I mean? Like you look across the board and like, yeah, they've got athletes. You look at the defense and they, you see them everywhere. But my goodness, they have skill guys that you would look past at a lot of programs. You, it, They don't fit the typical mold. Stetson Bennett doesn't fit the mold. But there's development there. And they showed out in a way that I did not expect. Now, Bo certainly did them favors. I'm sorry, Bo. I, I think he's a great person. But gosh, his habits just get the best of him on the field. And he was doing the same things that we, you know, unfortunately <laughs> saw for so many years at Auburn and he can be his own worst enemy out there and that certainly helped Georgia and they also had a bit of a you know a a hype to them coming off a natty but it just looked like totally different talent levels it really did um so so Georgia is certainly one to keep your eye on my disappointment was LSU I really agree with you there I wasn't as disappointed in Clemson because I really didn't have heightened expectations for Clemson and it's really because of the quarterback I need to be careful because I'm covering them this week and I don't want to dog them but I actually think that they're in a similar situation that Auburn is in they've got a guy who was their quarterback last year and he is big you've got size like that in a quarterback you have a hard time saying we're not going to use it you know they've got size they've got experience they handled the reins last year and surely they're growing because of it right But then you put in this other guy and it's like a jolt of energy and it's like he's just got this composure and he looks like he's got it figured out, even though he doesn't have the experience that your starter does. And now you're in a bit of a decision, but you want to show loyalty to your starter. You want him to be confident and have his best chance to be good. You want to empower them in that way. But at some point you have to make a decision if the 
maybe not the choice you thought you were going to go with is actually the better fit. I think that Clemson may find themselves in that situation with Cade Klubnick, even though he's a freshman, he's a five-star and he didn't look like a freaking freshman. So I, I didn't really have any different expectations for Clemson. So I wouldn't call it a disappointment. They still ended up putting it together by the second half. Um, but LSU, man, I, I think that, and I'm totally speculating here, but it looked like there is division on that team. It looks like there is, there are internal program issues. And I don't know if it's Brian Kelly and feeling like he's not the fit or maybe resistance to how he wants to do things, or if it was the quarterback decision, they did not announce their quarterback until right before kick. He did it in the beginning interview they had not announced it I don't know if they're because they're all American wide receiver Kayshawn Booty who is uh, renowned across the country this guy has every skill set you want in a wide out if you watch not only was he a non-factor in the game his body language was trash you could look at him and tell that something was up and I haven't followed up I know that he basically scrubbed his social media from everything having to do with LSU. I don't know if he's officially in the portal or what's going on there, but I, it didn't take a private eye to tell you there's division here. I don't know what the cause of it is. I don't know if it's disciplinary issues or if it's just hesitation to the change that's being implemented, but it went beyond the field. And I think you saw it on the field and that's why they, they lost in the way that they did. So I'm disappointed in LSU beyond just getting an L. It was the way that they got the L. So those were definitely my uh, my standouts. I think that in the West, I actually am leaning toward Arkansas right now. I think KJ Jefferson, their quarterback, my goodness, that kid can go. And then, yeah, in the East, like you said, yeah, man, he and he's big and he he uses his size to his advantage. I, I think Arkansas, especially now that I've seen LSU kind of crumble the way they did. I think that behind Alabama, Arkansas is is probably who I would put it to right now. And then in the East, I agree. Florida surpassed my expectations. I said last week, I did say Billy Napier to Florida is the best coaching hire that happened. And I still believe that. I think that he is what that program needed. And I think what you saw, he is what Anthony Richardson needed. I covered Florida. Dan Mullen mishandled Anthony Richardson just in terms of you can coach X's and O's. You can, and I know Dan Mullen is considered a, a quarterback whisperer. I get it. But you also have to be able to evolve with the personality types that you're dealing with. And I think what he had in Emory Jones versus Anthony Richardson were two very different kinds of people, not players, people. Yeah. And I don't think he was playing his cards right when it came to Anthony and he wasn't getting his best from Anthony. You have to be able to relate to these guys in some way. You have to get on their level and resonate with them to get them to the best, you know, level of their play. And I think that Napier is the guy for that because Anthony Richardson's raw talent, his God given ability. First of all, it comes with his physicality again, talking about size, but then his, his athleticism, it, it just is putting all the pieces together and you have to have the right guy at the helm to help some of these guys do that. And maybe this is the perfect formula. I was so shocked to see that, but 
again, I think what we're seeing is just a, a really lopsided power five balance. The the Pac-12 just is not like the SEC. But I think I think it's good. I think it benefits the SEC as a whole for Florida to get back to that place. I think Kentucky, they actually play this week, Florida, Kentucky. I think that'll be an interesting one. Certainly very uh, prominent to the SEC East standings. But I, I, I think that it's kind of open right now and that makes it exciting, but a lot of potential across the board. I, can we talk about the UNC app state game? Holy cow. Oh my goodness. Holy... Two point conversion. Like, I mean, on, like we gotta, oh. you gotta hit that one. Like how, okay. But also no offense, Gene Chizik, because I think you're awesome, but neither defense was doing anything. Like how <laughs> are you within the last 30 seconds, both teams are scoring. What is freaking happening? Like yeah, I it think was Chizik chaos. To go back to the booth after ha- at halftime. He probably <laughs> like, back, oh, to TV, back to TV. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. It was insane. But I think it just showed how excited everyone is to be back out there. It also showed where teams need to fine tune and work on things. And usually you do see big changes from week one to week two. So looking forward to seeing just that. And I think with that, we're going to say goodbye here on Believe in Everything Auburn. Thank you, as always, for listening and following along. Make sure you subscribe if you haven't already so you get a notification every time we release an episode. We'll be back next week to break down another Auburn, hopefully, victory and preview the Penn State match. So make sure you tune in. And until then, we're Eagle. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.